This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, hey, welcome back to Ozpol Snackpod, the podcast that is kind of like a mid-strength Melbourne bitter, where very literally in Melbourne, mid-strength and extremely bitter. That's right. This is Ozpol Snackpod, the podcast where two of Australia's foremost political nobodies bring you bite-sized chunks of Australian news, politics and memes. Uh, we're also the official podcast of the Ozpol shitposting Facebook group, so if you like memes and Ozpol, head on over there and get you some content. My name is Noon, and with me, as always, is my co-host. Hey, what's up? It's Zach Snack. Nice to be back with you again, Noon. Thank you for having me, Zach. Not really. We, we were hoping to record in person this week, but um, maybe maybe next time. Yeah, because oh, we're allowed to do that now. That's right. Yeah. We have, we have freedom, because it was Freedom Day. Uh, now Ugh. freedom is allowed again. So uh, yeah, I yeah. you know what sucked was all that time when freedom was gone. Uh, I've done literally nothing different in the last <laughs> day or two than I did the last year and a half. So uh, that says more about me than the lockdown than, than freedom. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but some exciting news this week is that we have several new patrons. So shout out Stacy and Louise or Lewis. I'm not sure. You know, Louis. Um, and also, Michael, for upgrading your pledge to a higher amount. Um, if you like our show and you want to support us financially, you can do it over at patreon.com forward slash Snackpod. And for $1 a month, you get a monthly bonus episode and access to our Discord where we post pictures of our dogs and other cool stuff. It's true. Um, and also, ex- excitingly, we recently hit 69,000 downloads. A nice. Very exciting. Very mature. Yeah. A very mature right. podcast. Yeah. Also, that's that's like all time. So I think mm. um for the to to be eligible for the like smallest podcast award category, you have to get less than fifty thousand downloads per episode. Is that right? Uh yes. Yeah. Which we qualify for. Yes. Handily. Almost too much. Um yeah. so but it's just to put in proportion. When it's not boasting. <laughs> but it is exciting for us. So, you know, thanks for coming on this journey with us. Mm-mm. No, we appreciate it. Thank you for being one of the 69,000 downloads. All right. Should we get stuck into the show? Yeah, let's do it. Can I offer you one of these, sir? No, no. Take it away at once. Uh, yes, it's the aperitifs section where we talk a little bit about the stories that we're not really going to talk that much about. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we mentioned we're out of lockdown now. Noon and I are in Melbourne. Um, so we hit the 70% fully vaccination rate, the 16 and over population, which means that we can now have small numbers of visitors to homes and people in hospitality venues. Mm-hmm. If, if you're in Melbourne, you already know this. And if you're not, you know, why, really... would you, why would you care? Yeah. Yeah. I think Noon and I both have mixed feelings about the relaxation of the COVID yeah. restrictions as a policy choice, um, which we've gone into in, in previous episodes. But look, at a personal level, I also definitely went to drink mm-hmm. a bunch of beers with friends last night. So mm-hmm. um, I feel, feel like that's what you might call Hegelian noon. 
I did when we discussed this the other <laughs> night. Yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, there has been some posting this week. It has, yeah. Many m- m- freedom-related m- content. Lots of freedom content. Lots of Dan-related content. Yes. Big Daddy Dan, who's some finally... Some somewhat inadvertent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, it's you know, look, it's not super specifically related to lockdown, <laughs> but... We couldn't find another place to slot this into the show, so we wanted to shout out the first of a few uh, ship posts of the week. Yeah, should we get that new custom sting in there, Zach? Yeah, why don't you do that for us now? It's the first of a few ship posts of the week! <laughs> Superlative. Excellent podcasting. Wait, what uh, are we going to do for the next ones, though? Uh, we'll, no, we'll I'll figure just, it out like, when we get there. I'll clip that and repeat it. It'll be... It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's not going to be the first one. Oh, right. The, now it's the time next for the next of, of several. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be good. It'll be cool. Great. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we wanted to shout out this post from AJ Lawson in the Ospol Shipposting Facebook group. who writes, something's gone wrong with my Facebook app and it's bringing me a lot of joy. And basically it's just replaced every photo on a mm-hmm. news article on AJ's feed with the same picture of but, Daniel Andrews mid-sentence. Or like a whole lot of different articles from different places. No, I thought we'd just, we could read out a couple of our favorites. Shh, this first sure. one. The girls attempt to sneak into the boys' dormitory and get caught by the headmaster. Daniel Andrews. <laughs> mm. Doing awkward Dan Andrews face, <laughs> yeah. Um, argument at Taco Bell. Close-up of Dan Andrews doing... <laughs> Awkward policy that one is gremlin really good. face. Yeah. Impatient driver g- cuts off truck and regrets it. <laughs> I feel like that's absolutely something he would talk about. Now listen, as Victorians, <laughs> we have a commitment to not cut each other off in traffic. You know, sometimes I'm driving to work and so on and so forth, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> hilarious. Great, great accidental Oz-Pol content. comedy. Thanks, Zuck. Yeah. Yeah, um, I appreciate it. That's a, that, the, the layup assist. <laughs> To Mark Zuckerberg there. Uh, he's been waiting to, to you know, to get ship To get the shout out, yeah. He now, bothers yeah, so. every week. We're like, but Mark, Jesus Christ. you got to actually do Mark. something for it. And now, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, he put the work in and you get the reward. This is what he, happens when I was Paul Snackpot. Speaking of both freedom and not leaving us alone, um, over in the <laughs> United States, um, Candace Owens, right-wing shock jock, I guess, is a reasonable enough... More like a talking head slash commentator. Cause sure, like she, she goes on Shock yeah. Jock. Although, maybe she does have her own like, YouTube sure show. sure she does, yeah. Anyway, Whatever. She, she's she, a grifter. She, she's a conservative grifter. grifter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she, on, on the day that Victoria unlocked, and also like a week or two after New South Wales did, she posted this. Looking into what is happening in Australia, and I can now confidently say that World War Three is upon us. We are in the midst of a global psychological warfare. Under the guise of COVID-19, governments worldwide have declared war on their people for full totalitarian control. Um, and I think she demanded that we deploy troops. Sorry, that they, the US, deplo- mm. deploy troops to Australia. Yeah, to come and to- defend our freedom. Yeah. Thanks, it's pretty Candace. funny. Look, yeah. Bad timing. I'm, I'm gonna good say content. Fa- 
thanks but no thanks <laughs> yeah. on on the US ground forces invasion. Uh, yeah, but you I... know what's really the the worst thing about this fucking country? <laughs> Not enough US troops. <laughs> <laughs> Oversexed, overpaid and not enough of them over here. Yep. As the saying goes. That's good. It's a good joke from Thank you. <laughs> decades ago. Okay, <laughs> uh, next now aperitifs. Uh uh, Fran Kelly, ABC journalist, has retired from her main job of doing Radio National Breakfast. Uh, she has been doing it for 17 years and wants to start sleeping in. Um, I, you know, I quite liked her. Um, Zach resented her and PK immensely, but don't worry. She'll still be doing the party room. She's just quit breakfast. So you'll oh, still really? have all of the Fran and PK content. That oh, you great. Want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Look, immensely is too strong. <laughs> sure. And definitely FK is above PK for me. Yeah, for sure. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool things about her include that she often regrets going into journalism because she wanted to be a singer in a punk band. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, now, look, and- we all make mistakes in our lives and yeah. end up as one of the most prominent broadcasters in the nation. <laughs> totally. Happens to the best of us. Yeah. Um, the main downside is that the next person is likely to be fucking useless um and on that note we have a, a really good meme here it's you know niche memes for abc loving teens but um this is from alex uh friend chat of the show dad. chat dad uh and it which means that it's also now time for the next of several shit posts of the week <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's evergreen. I can reuse that. One. <laughs> you can use that again. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, the uh, <laughs> Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob uh, sipping a cup of tea calmly and looking quite pleased with himself uh, in front of the fire, and says, "You're listening to RN Breakfast." And then the ne- the bottom one is with Hamish McDonald, and it's him going like, <laughs> but it's all like blood, and it's a really good. It's Format. Excellent content, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. just kind of also say Noon, listening to you listening to you say the phrase you're listening to RN Breakfast, you've got such smooth, velvety tones. You really Thank do you. have a voice for radio. Yeah. And you sound like you could, you know, at least tonally make a convincing replacement for, for Frank Kelly, so Thank yeah. you, I appreciate that. I am sometimes capable of reading words as they come up on the screen as well. Um, mm. So that's another like big tick fifth in the of the job column. that I'd yeah. be qualified for. I One think of... you'd look good wearing a massive novelty-sized headset and microphone as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think maybe my my second best compliment that I've ever received was in I want to say year ten English uh, with Miss Quirk. Uh, I was reading Jane Eyre aloud, and afterwards, Chandy shoutouts Chandy um, came up to me and was like. You'd have a good voice for narrating books on tape, um, which I'm sure was less true in year ten than it is now. But yeah, so anyway, here oh, we are. Going, yeah, you aged like a fine wine, my friend. Yep. Uh, another aperitif. I didn't run past you before we got in here. I'm sneaking it in one sentence. Parliament voted against referring Christian Porter's million dollar bag of cash to be investigated. Ha ha! Boo! That sucks. Okay, Parliament, um, you fucking suck. On the corruption note, another aperitif. Um, there's been a lot of ICAC. Things going on, eye-cackenings. There's been a lot of eye-cackening. Um, into the, the Gladys situation, you know, Gladys, very juice, juice woman. woman. Yeah. yeah, that Gladys. Yeah, I'm and, and Daryl. Yeah, <laughs> I, 
I know you know who she Gazza is. Gazza Magazza, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, honestly, it's been pretty fucking boring. I tuned in for several hours and remember practically none of it. But, uh, mm. like, it's grinding out all, every thought these people had about and mm. every conversation that they had and every mild concern that they had about the Clay Target Shooting Club <laughs> grant. Um, Ooh, but yeah, Australian political scandal. <laughs> uh, two big names took the stand this week. Mike Baird, former premier when Gladys was the treasurer when this potentially corrupt funding decision mm-hmm, happened. Mm-hmm. It's an unnecessarily long sentence, but yeah. Uh, and the other was Stuart Ayres, who was the sports minister at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And Baird was pretty critical of Daryl Maguire. It was basically like, yeah, he was a shit cunt. Not a direct quote. That's me paraphrasing. Just like. That is a good summation on my understanding of the attitude of the New South Wales Liberal Party towards Daryl Maguire. Dazza, yeah. Yeah. Um, he also said Gladys should have revealed that they were dating, um, as did several other people, uh, including Ez. Um, Ez actually was like, I think the shooting club was a pretty cool project. It was kind of borderline about whether it was worth it or not. But like, yeah, I think it was fine. Um, so that's a very funny summation. The sports minister's position. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I was like, sure, take the five mil. <laughs> yeah, see what you can do with it. Run with it. It's like that scene in The Wire when um, uh, what's his name comes in to ask for funding for the boxing ring, and he's like, <laughs> he's like doing this big like bag- some twenty k. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> five mil for a shooting. Yeah, go on, <laughs> fund that shit. Um, yeah. So it was rushed through this decision it was like four years that bureaucrats have been like yeah it doesn't really seem to stack up and then the ministers were like okay get the proposal sorted by this afternoon they were like wait Mm. what um and after that happened bed's advisor a guy called nigel blunden love it um wrote a memo which was very casual and a lot of it accidentally sounded like he used the phrase sus so like there was a bunch of like 2021 meme vibes but basically um and again there's a paraphrase lamau this is total bullshit they're doing some dodgy ass shit here this is a terrible project (laughs) um so cool yeah he was literally like well there must be some sweetheart deal between gladys daryl and Stuart because otherwise they wouldn't be trying to rush this through but you know yeah, so uh, Gladys will give evidence this week about that. And we'll and bring then, you more exciting updates on clay the shooting, paint drying <laughs> scandal. Yeah, yeah. How many stamps were used to post the wrong letters? <laughs> um, finally, Dorinda Cox was sworn in as a Green senator. So we've mentioned this on the show before, but she's a Yamachinunga woman and will be the first Indigenous woman from Western Australia in the federal parliament. Um, there was a smoking ceremony held at the tent embassy and she addressed the parliament in Noongar as well as in English um, and she said this we continue to see the ever increasing erosion of indigenous rights including the rights to country and culture which impact on our daily living under the cloak of economic and social development we make laws and enact decisions in this country that destroy the fabric of social and cultural rights of our first peoples this degree of marginalization continues to perpetuate despair and hopelessness um, and she said more, and you can go and read and see footage of that elsewhere. But, um, yeah. Staunch. Good person to have in It's Parliament. good that she's in there. Yeah. 100%. Cool. Shall we? Please. Fashy Australia. This is the first of a couple fairly heavy stories um, that we've got on the slate this week. So um, just a heads up on that. I don't think I need to give any content warnings for it, but, uh, yeah. 
I'll let you know when we're heading into darker territory, so you're not taken by surprise. But this story is about immigration detention. Uh, almost one third of refugees and the people seeking asylum who are being held at the Park Hotel prison in Melbourne have contracted COVID-19. So 15 wow. out of the 46 men that are being held there. And at least one of them has been hospitalized. Uh, one prisoner called an ambulance for another who was sick. And he says that the ambulance was turned away and the paramedics were not allowed to enter. What the fuck? Uh, the hotel. And this has been disputed by the state, but, you know... <laughs> Why would we but, believe them? Yes. Yeah. But I mean, other, we know that at least one refugee was hospitalized. So some uh, paramedics are being allowed in um, sure. to help, sure. uh, to help these men. I've got a quote here from the guardian. A lawyer for one of the men said the conditions inside the hotel with shared ventilation, sealed windows, and he argued inadequate medical staff meant the Australian border force was quote, recklessly endangering their lives the detainees have existing health conditions, extreme vulnerabilities. Um, and I've got another quote here from Mustafa Azmitabar on, on Twitter. He um, is uh, a refugee who was formerly incarcerated uh, at the Park Hotel prison. I'm sick with stress for my friends still locked up. I have asthma. If I was in there right now without mm -hmm. a vaccination, it's likely I would die. They are trapped like a cruise ship on the street. Their bodies are tired. They need freedom and healthcare. This needs to end now. And so that point there about not having a vaccination, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that it's yeah. unsurprising that the vaccination rates amongst the men at the Park Hotel prison uh, are lower than the rest of the population. And in fact, of all people held in immigration detention in Australia, 61% of people have had one dose and 54% are fully vaccinated versus 85% one dose and 70% mm. two doses across the general population. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a huge gap there. Yeah. Um, but this, you know, this, this outbreak is inevitable, right? Like, advocates have been warning about it from the start of the outbreak, and as we've discussed mm. previously on the show, the Multiple federal times, government's... Yeah. yeah, the federal government's own health advice yep. listed people in detention as at, in the highest risk category of contracting covid and, you know, we also know uh, that healthcare in the uh, immigration detention system is woefully mm, inadequate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, we've had refugees die due it's to medical of negligence. The punishment for daring to try to seek the human rights. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a cornerstone of the cruelty mm. that the system is deliberately designed to inflict. And, you know, detainees themselves have been protesting throughout the pandemic. There have been hunger strikes, social media campaigns, you know, asking... Yep. For the government to let them out of these places where they're like in, 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 so at such high risk of, of getting COVID. It was also last year that the Refugee Action Collective uh, convoy protest, um, which pretty early in the pandemic, mm, and the cops stopped yeah. that protest and fined everybody in those cars, despite mm. the fact that it was a COVID safe demonstration. But yeah, I mean, advocates have been uh, have been arguing for a long time that community release is a, a, like a totally legally available option that can be implemented by the immigration minister yeah. at any time. Yeah, you know, it's not freedom from detention, which all of these people should have, mm -hmm. but it does put them at much less immediate risk of contracting COVID. You know, because they could stay with family or friends. And this is something that has been done by other countries. Spain, yeah. Belgium, and the UK have all released people from their immigration detention systems in order to avoid the risk of them contracting COVID. It's also something that happens as a matter of course in the Australian 
immigration detention, like, unfortunately, that's often, like, one of the best possible outcomes, but it is, like, it's not like a whole new conceptual infrastructure would need no. to be put in place to do it for COVID. They would just need to, like, yeah, stop. Yeah, no, it's, it's a stroke of the pen. Being cruel. Yeah. Being the immigration minister. That's... Yeah, as you say, no, like, that would defeat the entire purpose. So, just to sum up, the state is locking up these people in contravention of international law. Mm-hmm. They knew they were at extremely high risk of contracting COVID. They know that many of them are medically compromised and they have the power to make them safer, but refuse to do it. And they punish those who protest and agitate for the improvement of their conditions. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything there? I mean, probably. There's probably a <laughs> bunch of like fucked up cruel things, but that yes. gets suggests very, very adequately. Yes. It's the full... 360 fashy experience and got every right. single angle covered yeah yeah so we'll keep uh you know tabs on that situation as mm-hmm. it de- as it develops and hopefully um you know through applied pressure those men are able to get the urgent medical treatment that they need yeah should we okay. move on now yeah let's Okay, so Eddie O'Bean is going to jail. And so, you know, we just came out of that story about refugees in jail. Um, and you and I, Zach, both firmly agree jails are not a good way of dealing with what might loosely be called social problems or <laughs> crime. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah, issues with that conceptual framework. But mm-hmm. jails, pretty fucking bad. Um, Agreed. However... Corrupt politicians getting their comeuppances. Kombucha lady looking mildly interested. Yeah. Well, well. So, and, and it, you know, keep that in mind. Consequences of actions for corrupt politicians, good. Form it takes, potentially not best. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Right. But I do feel less concerned about Eddie Obeid going to jail uh, than I do about those guys who have been locked up for trying to flee persecution yeah people who like argue against anti-carceral positions always want to start with like what about george pell yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) we were both so pissed off by that oh it's just (laughs) awful (sighs) but Uh, yeah yes Yeah. No. So anyway, Hegelian, Zach. You know we're being Hegelian, yeah. listeners. If you're worried about this whiplash, and don't our, worry. We're just Hegelian. It's just Hegelianism. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> who the fuck is Eddie Obeid? Thank you, uh, dude. I was, the question was on the tip of my little tongue. <laughs> yeah. Um. I feel like uh, it's a name that's hanging around, like Colin Powell, who died this week. I realized when he died, I didn't know who he was. Uh, I really? thought. Yeah, like, I I knew the name, I'd seen photos of him, mm. didn't really put it together with the war in Iraq business. Mm. Like, you know, I, 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 just, yeah. I just basically had heard, like, I feel like Eminem mentions him in a song, or you know, vaguely aware of him, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Eminem uh, is probably making Colin Powell references now, because he's, like, that relevant and bleeding edge. That's true, yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe he should start making Eddie O'Bead references. Because um, he was uh, the the main dude in a bunch of corruption scandals that engulfed the New South Wales Labour Party um, in, like, twenty the, the 2010s, the last mm-hmm. decade or more, potentially. Um, 
so yeah, he was a former New South Wales Labor MP. Um, he was the State Minister for Resources and for Fisheries. Um, and ICAC investigated him in uh, 2012 to 2014, and he was expelled from the Labor Party during that time. Um, I know I will explain what he was corrupt for, but I'm just giving you the like broad outline. Of, yeah, Lay so. ICAC told the public prosecutor to prosecute, and they did. And so in 2016, he was sent to jail for three years. Um, he got out in 2019, but now he's been sentenced again for a different corruption for a minimum of three years and 10 months. So, wow. like, he's just gone to jail again today, the day that we're recording. This is his second stint. The double um, Eddie. Yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, there was a bunch of, like, really bad, vague, unclear reporting about this, but. Um, as soon as he got the conviction, they were like, take him away. And the lawyer was like, um, excuse me, can he not go to the police station? Because um, he he will get COVID and die. Oh, he's very old, by the way. He's like in his late 70s. Um, and the last time he went to jail, he was like, his lawyers were like, you can't send him to jail. He's going to die. Um, and the judge was like, going to die isn't a license to do crimes. So... <laughs> No. Um, again, jails are fucked, uh, but, you know, it's a death sentence for a lot of people. Um, yes. Not just one of the richest and most, well, formerly, <laughs> most powerful men in the country. But yeah. Mm. Um, Corruption. But dumb. anyway, he did get to go home overnight rather than go into uh, Lock the up. police cell overnight before yeah. he got sent to jail, but he is on the way to jail now. So, yeah. Okay, so what were the crimes? So he did most of his corruption with his son Moses and his best crime bud Ian MacDonald, who was another former Labour minister, who has, and both of them have also been sentenced to jail. Um, That's a they good, did, solid state Labour politician name. Ian, Ian MacDonald. Yeah. 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 <sighs> so <laughs> the two main crimes were pretty similar. Um, he... Obeid lobbied for cheap rent for circular key businesses that were owned by his family, but he didn't disclose that they were owned by his family when he was calling the like public servant in charge of leasing out circular key. <laughs> it's like a rent discount. Again, it's so the fucking most boring. boring. Yeah. How many fucking like packets of staples did this guy swipe? You know what you know? fucking shits me about this? I love these stories. You know, I love that <laughs> ICAC one that I did an imperative. I love this. I love the boring nonsense. But mm. people should be going to jail because they're sending refugees into jail where they get fucking coronavirus and like for denying them human rights. And they should be going to jail for blowing up ancient indigenous sites that uh, uh, uh that like this shit is bad but why is it only this like white collar bullshit that we can even bring ourselves to like with one eye kind of acknowledge is mm. bad like there's all of these a problem with literal no, crimes it. against humanity and like active genocide policies that are just like well, oh well guy, that's he, just he's... the economy oh Makes me so angry. Well, yeah, I mean, he, this, this is him fucking with the money, right? And you, it's you fucking can, with the money. And also, you, yeah, you take down the occasional corrupt person like this, and you get to say, "Look, we're cl we've cleaned the system yeah. up. The system yeah. is not the problem; it's these individuals." Christina Keneally, you're getting parachuted to a safe seat. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, this circular key thing was why ICAC originally investigated him and why he was jailed in 2016. 
the thing he is being jailed for now is some corrupt insider trading about coal mining licenses. So I'll just read this quote from the ABC. Ian McDonald provided the Obeds with inside information on who would win coal exploration rights over their property Cherrydale Park near Mount Penny in the Bailong Valley. Sorry, that is the Obeds property. They had a farm. Um, the court found that Ma- uh, McDonald directed his department to interfere in the tender process. The Obeds used confidential information provided to them by the minister to gain a 25% stake in the winning bidder, Cascade Coal. They also used friends and associates to snap up the neighboring properties ahead of the license being granted. They later used their combined landholding strength to strike a deal with Cascade Coal that their farms would be bought for four times their value when mining commenced. Combining with their secret shareholding in Cascade, the court heard the Obeed stood to make up to $60 million out of the deal. Oh. Yeah. Uh, ICAC also investigated them for doing corruption with water allocations. Um, there's this good quote. The ink was barely dry on a contract for the sale of a coal-rich farm to Eddie Obeed when he started lobbying bureaucrats over lucrative water licenses at the property. Um, but to the best of my knowledge, they are not prosecuting him for that. So re- essentially he was there because like, it's a real like being a state MP is a great position to be in if you want to do some be a property crimes. developer, yeah, yeah, or be a developer, yeah. Sorry, I mean, they're look, the same are we going to split hairs? Yeah. Hey, there's that low grade cynical <laughs> uh, content that people come here for. Yeah, um, so I mean, it's Eddie... all this type of shit, you know, fun like grant a little grant here, sporting club there, water allocation yeah. here, a little. Oh, I happen to own a bit of land that's getting snapped up by the government for a song, Ooh. like you know, yeah, just. It like come on, yep. Um, it's hard, like it's really the main function of state politics. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. As as far as I can tell, um, yeah. So uh, Eddie Moses and Ian are all being sentenced to multiple years in jail, and I think Ian's getting the worst because he did like the the making the state politicians look bad. Mm, um, yeah. The, the most worst crime of all. Exactly, yeah. Um, even though he gained literally nothing from it. Um, as Well, that we know of. I'm sure he gained a reasonable <laughs> amount of, like, fucking free lunches, to say the least. But, you know, um, but, and, and re-election or whatever. But at the moment, the Abeeds are still holding on to $30 million in criminally obtained money from these crimes. Damn. Um, plus... That's quite a bit of crime money. <laughs> yeah. Hey, plus, Eddie, can I have some of your crime money? <laughs> Just one. If you give it to me, you don't have to give it to fucking... ICAC. Crimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so actually, he also owes another $5 million in costs. $5 million in costs. Because hilariously, he tried to sue the ICAC commissioner who had overseen the investigation in 2014. You can't corruption investigate me. I corruption investigate you. Yeah, he said that... Mr. Ip, um, who was the commissioner, and seven other officers of the independent corruption, uh, the ICAC, had engaged in malfe- uh, misfeasance oh, in public office. Misfeasance. Yeah, that's a fun one. Okay. Um, yeah, and that was thrown out, and he was had to pay costs, which he Five has not done. Five million dollars in costs. Yes. Jesus Christ. For I mean, what I guess was he very obviously total bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not paying it back, and there's another three hundred fifty thousand, <laughs> which is almost not worth mentioning, right? At this three hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> Can jump change that the deadline for him to pay it passed in the last week or two and just fucking nothing so, i yeah. mean look i'm going to fucking prison yeah you know no you can't have my three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in pocket change <laughs> um 
New South Wales Police Minister David Elliott, who... Sure, fronter both... of children, impersonator of cops, wielder of illegal firearms incorrectly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, advocator for the strip searching of his own children. Well, it's funny you should say that, Zach, because that's also his proposed way of dealing with this $35 million debt. Um, he said, I don't care if the ATO strip him bare. As far as I'm concerned, the crime commissioner can take his socks and jocks. Jesus Christ. This guy fucking loves strip searching. He's got one it's, lever to pull. It his really one makes his other crime. comments about it look much worse. This the, comment makes the other ones make him look... Which is impressive because the, the other ones were already... Quite like, bad. Sickeningly awful, yeah. He so, fucking anyway. sucks so much, this guy. So that's the deal with Eddie Obeid, listeners. If you didn't grow up in paying attention to New South Wales labour corruption, now you know. There you go. Thanks it for was, running us through that, Noon. It was staples. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly staples. Um. All right, where are we up to? Oh, I see, I see, I see. You fucked up. This week, you fucked up goes to New South Wales Police. Uh, as it so often does. <laughs> yeah. And honestly it could every week it could because it's just you know it's a it's a cornucopia of fuck-ups there at new south wales Mm -hmm. uh police headquarters so yeah this is a little update on the ongoing sort of bumbling mess that is friendly geordies versus john barillaro Mm -hmm. who (laughs) i think that we maybe slightly forgot to mention (laughs) this but he resigned yeah which is he's not the deputy premier of new south wales anymore yeah he resigned after gladys but you know just got kind of totally overshadowed and i think that was probably his plan um, hmm. You know, this yeah, is him I trying mean, to kind un- of quietly slip. The heat is is turning up. He's quietly slipping out of politics, right? You know, but do you think it's the heat around this shit that Geordie's has been talking about, or amongst, uh, amongst other things? Sure. I think it's just a lot of public attention on his like you know conduct and his business affairs, mm. and his like this story is about how his court cases probably don't look like they're going to be going too well. Cool, or, or at least this is you know this is a win for friendly Geordie. So. Uh, I'm sure that most people, you know, who listen to the show are across this story, but just, you know, brief bit of background. Friendly Geordie's, you know, he's a YouTuber, political comedy YouTuber, and his producer... We, we do not stand, just to be entirely clear. Not, I feel like we, it's worth repeating during the, this story. We're not Friendly Geordie stands, it's true. His 21-year-old kid producer, guy named Christo Lenker, was arrested by the Fixated Persons Unit, which is a counterterrorism unit, on two charges of stalking then-Deputy Premier John Barillaro, one of the incidents involving Friendly Geordies in a Luigi costume. And John John Barillaro is also separately suing Friendly Geordies for defamation and also also suing Google for hosting Friendly Geordies videos on YouTube. Separately, but relatedly. So, like, the reason that the producer got done for stalking was that he was trying to serve Barilaro with legal papers relating to the case that they were already engaged in. So I feel like saying it's separately, uh, you know. Well, they're separate court cases. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is the, the point. But yeah, it's all the same thing. I mean, they're, they're like, and the yeah, Google Chris, thing, yeah. Christo Lenker's arrest by this counterterrorism unit was just, you know. Punishment. Like, exactly. It was, it was vengeance thing. from yeah. Barilaro. Yeah. So... The New South Wales cops were trying to get Friendly Geordies gagged from commenting on Christo Lenker's stalking case by having two videos that he made about the case taken down from YouTube. Uh, but this week, they've withdrawn that bid and have agreed to pay the Friendly Geordies legal team's costs. $22,000. Uh, 
Um, Which really, again, five million for suing the ICAC commissioner? (laughs) Eddie! (laughs) I mean, as you say, things move very, very slowly at ICAC. So it's just they're in there for a long time. Now's probably a good time, Noon, for the next of several shit posts of the week. Uh, This one's from Leah, host of Loud Angry and Not Sorry. it's a it's a kombucha lady meme, uh, classic format. New South Wales cops pay costs and abandoned attempt to remove Frumbly Jumbly's videos. Hmm. Frumbly Jumbly videos remain online. Hmm. Uh, which yeah, I think neatly sort of sums up the feelings around this. Yeah. Uh, I've got a quote here from a guy in the article about this. Magistrate Jacqueline Millich said the application was quote broad and vague and gave New South Wales police until Friday to redraft its application and run it properly. Police withdrew the applications at the first opportunity on Friday. That's a reasonable conclusion today, and I think that's appropriate for all sides, Millard said. Uh, so that's funny and mm-hmm. good because, yeah. you know, despite the extra 25 liters of helium that this is going to inject straight into Friendly Jordy's head, uh, fuck John Barillaro and fuck this totally spurious stalking charge, yeah, which is yeah. garbage. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, definitely, as the meme says, it's good. Uh, but then, Lenka's lawyer pointed twist. out that and a twist in the in in the tale. Lenka's lawyers pointed out that John Barillaro's chief of staff had failed to comply That's with right. the subpoena that required her to hand over copies of documents and phone records. Here's another quote from the Guardian: After multiple attempts to contact Hamblin's lawyers to provide a fuller explanation, Millage, the judge, agreed to begin proceedings to issue a warrant for her arrest. The magistrate suggested she may sign the warrant but keep it in her office until Monday, airing concern Hamblin would be arrested over the weekend. They may have sent something through that hasn't made its way to the court file, she said. I cannot understand why these lawyers aren't more... They seem to have abandoned her... They're certainly not working in her interests at all at this stage. Yeah. That's, and like, that's a direct quote. Like, the Guardian quote from her just has these, like, her, like trailing the off. judge yeah. being like... These what lawyers the fu- seem dodgy. What do you, and what, what do you? This is guys. We can't. That's not a. I don't even know. We don't. To, we shouldn't have to. And the final sentence of that article is: the hearing continues. So <laughs> there will be um, more updates on that. Uh, so that's also uh, yeah. funny. But then I, there's such classic judge shit as well. Being like, very judge. You know, I could have an arrest warrant written. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, it's just like the, the drama of being like, well, I have this option available to me now, so just you... Hmm. Watch yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I think that like, her comments like, seem to suggest I'd... that this is like, a, you know, a lawyer problem. But like, you know, also, there's no way that John Barilara's chief of staff is like a squeaky clean by no. the book. Or that she has shitty lawyers. Um, <laughs> like... Um, it reminds me of when I went to court, um, and the guy before me, um, had a lawyer. I did not have a lawyer. Um, but the judge just yelled at this, like, why didn't you submit this before now? Do you know what a court case is? Where did you get your degree? And he was like, oh, well, it's only... Well, you should call him and ask for a refund. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down. (laughs) Yeah. Hilarious. What an asshole, but also hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then also, 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 yet another twist. There was this weird incident last week 
that involved Friendly Geordies interacting with another YouTuber. Mm. So this isn't, you know, like strictly related to this story, but it's like, it's friendly. It's the Friendly Geordies news hour. Here we sure, are, sure. you know, and I'm just going to give it to you. So he had this interaction, this weird interaction with another YouTube guy called Simon Boykov, who goes by the name of Aussie Cossack on YouTube, who is a pro-Putin activist. Great. Which, yeah. That's you know, just, there's... It's nothing good comes cool, from there. Cool, cool, yeah. cool, many thumbs up. He's just been described by anti-fascist researcher Slackbastard as a, quote, Russian fascist agitator. There's photos of him online hanging out with members of Golden Dawn, and dude is doing a lot of, like, anti-lockdown stuff these days, mm-hmm. you know, sure. sort of, yeah, he's like a far-right conspiracy, anti-state, uh, fascist YouTuber guy. Um and so last week, Friendly Geordies had just come out of court and the, the Aussie Cossack is there filming a video and I did, you know, it wasn't planned in advance. It doesn't look like, I think he was there sort of waiting for Friendly Geordies to come out basically. Right. Uh, but I would like to play you a couple of clips from this YouTube video published right, on the I Aussie Cossacks. Yeah, I know. I brought some clips for you, bud. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah you're going to like these. So this, yeah, these are audio clips from the angry, from the Aussie Cossacks video that he shot outside the courthouse where he kind of like, uh, you know, I wouldn't say jumped, but you know, definitely a surprise interview. Doorstop friendly interview. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I want to give a hat tip to Celery Sorbet on Twitter, uh, who I got some of these, uh, pointed me in this direction and did, uh, does a lot of really great tracking of the far right online and needs more followers. So go and follow them. Um, so this is clips from a video, the Aussie Cossacks video. It's like five minutes long. I've clipped out a few, um, little bits from it. And I've left a little bit of silence in between each of the clips to kind of make it clear where I've edited things. Okay, sure. Great. Let's have a listen. My fellow Australians, today's an interesting day. We've got, uh, two YouTubers who are very anti-establishment and we're here with the famous friendly Geordies who has, uh, to his credit, the disposal of the Deputy Premier of New South Wales. I just want to start by congratulating this gentleman. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. We're pretty close to court by saying that though, but uh, yeah, you can say that. You well, can look. say that that was me. So I've seen the media treatment of you too, man. And I've got to say, keep up the good fight. You know it's a good situation when you've got barristers fighting over you. Oh, but don't worry, I'm loyal to Miss Hawkins. He's very loyal. I look after Mr. Boykoff and I assist him. And he never, ever advocates any violence whatsoever against the New South Wales police. Oh, my God. The Nuremberg 2 trials are coming. Nuremberg 2.0 is on the way. Wait. Mum, I know you watch Friendly Geordies, and he's got a message for you. Dora, keep up the good work. i got to say, you made a very nice young man. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, few things going on there. So- okay. <laughs> Nuremberg 2.0, yeah. Wait, but that's a bad thing? No, no, Nuremberg 2.0 coming is good. Okay, well... Nuremberg 2.0 is coming for politicians who have instigated lockdowns. people who cared about the coronavirus. Right, right, okay. Okay, well, technically that's better than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, yeah, look, pretty (laughs) eye-watering stuff. Yikes. Um, I mean, you know, the... So you've got, I mean, you do, you've got there in those clips, Friendly Geordie's being very friendly with this fascist conspiracy YouTuber. He just clearly likes someone on his dick. I don't, does you think he knows who he is? No, I don't think that he, oh no, I don't think that he super knows who he is, but he also did go and leave a positive comment on that YouTube video. 
So like he sure. knows he knows of the guy and he said to him in the video, you know, like, oh, I've it's seen the, the media's treatment, treatment of you yeah. as well. Yeah. So he like is aware of the guy. Maybe he yeah. doesn't know how deep his fascist leanings yeah. go. Because, you know, I will say for Geordie's, I think he thinks of himself as progressive. And yeah, in a in a sort of labor kind of way. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, I mean, I'm j- and obviously labor it can be extraordinarily racist a lot of the time and like whatever like it, it that's not saying he's not a white nationalist if to be part of labor but mm. like i don't think geordie's is a white nationalist and this is super alarming because i think he could go that way um and having this guy on his dick is probably a really good way to lead him in that direction which is bad yeah i mean look Maybe there's a moral here about some of Friendly Jody's perspectives overlapping with the far right and conspiracy yeah. right. Uh, yep. But that's, you know, look, no, I'm not really going to get into it. Sure. I don't think that Friendly Jody's is, you know, like super on board with his dude or whatever, but he definitely right. hasn't distanced himself yeah, from yeah. him at all. And I know that we have some Friendly Jody's fans who listen to the show. And sure. So this is what I want to say to you. I think Friendly Jody's needs to be fucking pushed on this. If he has the integrity as a commentator, as a mm, political actor mm-hmm. that you say that he does, he needs to immediately disavow this literal fucking fascist who he was chumming yeah. around with and congratulating. Yeah. So, you know, I think if you're a fan, you need to pressure this guy. Yeah. You need to let him know this is unacceptable. And look, as a show of good faith to the Friendly Geordies fans, I'm extending an olive branch, and I'm going to actually recommend a Friendly Geordies video. Oh, no! Nice. I watched this most recent. I've, one I've today. watched a couple recently that I have thought were not bad, and it's because they're all about Barilaro being <laughs> super oh, fucked at him. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, I mean, and the, the and which, yeah. which is great content, but yeah. also, yeah, ever since like, he's in the his right personal in team has been harassed by the police, yeah, Friendly exactly. Geordies suddenly cares a lot about. The cops doing uh, fucked up stuff. Yeah. And look, hey, however you get there, whatever. But he just yeah. recently put yeah. out a video Agreed. about how New South Wales Police Commissioner Mick Fuller yeah. uh, is a very dodgy bastard. The video is called New South Wales Police Utterly Compromised. And it I thought that it was basically good. Nice. Yeah. He does That's say something along the lines of, I wish we had a commissioner who was tough on crime. But he kind of meant he w- wish that we had a commission who was tough was on... was tough on police poli- corruption. Or- oh, yeah, or like any kind of political corruption. But whatever. Sure, anyway, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, there's yeah. the olive branch. But yeah, nice, if you're a friendly nice. Geordie's fan, you need to ne- let him know that palling around with this fascist is fucking unacceptable. Mm. And But, you know, also, congratulations on uh, fucking up New South Wales police's shit. That's a thumbs up from us. Okay, let's move on now to our First Nations story for this week. And this is another really heavy one. Uh, And we'll put a content warning here for uh, a discussion of police violence uh, against an Indigenous woman. So uh, the Western Australian cop who killed the Yamaji woman uh, known as JC in Geraldton in 2019 has been found not guilty of murder and manslaughter in a unanimous verdict um the officer's name has been suppressed by the court um so i don't want to get into a huge amount of detail about you know what happened like the incident itself um because we've discussed it before yeah i don't think it's super necessary but i just you know I'll, i'll i'll go over the details that i think is sort of pertinent for the discussion so uh, JC was holding a knife and had made threats to harm herself earlier in the day. And a family member had called the police fearing for her safety. 
Now, this cop that was on trial for her murder was one of eight officers who were on the scene, and he was the only one to draw his gun. When he arrived, he ran up to JC, drew his gun, and shot her in the abdomen in the space of 16 seconds. Whoa. One of the other cops who was there on the scene said that he hoped to, quote, talk her down. So, you know, there seems to be... That seems to suggest that this uh, cop who was on trial, you know, behaved very differently to all of the, you know, the other cops who were there. So this cop's defense was that JC raised the knife that she was holding and moved towards him. But the prosecution argued that CCTV footage that they have showed that she didn't move towards him. Uh, The defense's lawyer said, quote, the accused was never, ever going to drop the weapon. She wasn't going to give up. She had to be taken down. Which is... I discovered that in 16 seconds. So, yeah. Like, well, it must have been like the four seconds before he started trying to kill her, right? Like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, showed ugh. up to, uh, you know, to a scene where other police were, were trying to de-escalate yeah. the situation without using violence. And, you know, it obviously begs the question, like, you know, this whole premise this this whole argument is premised on the idea that jc was dangerous but like mm. who was the danger here who mm. actually killed another human mm. being like mm-hmm. so we know i mean you know J- jc had an extremely difficult life she was raised in foster care she had long-standing mental health issues she had been separated from her son who's nine years old and as all the news coverage uh loves to remind us she had substance abuse issues um, I've got a quote here from the ABC article on this. The lawyer for the defense detailed to the jury JC's previous criminal convictions, building a picture of a woman she said had, quote, disrespect for the law. She said this attitude was, quote, relevant to show, relevant to how she engaged with police. Please don't think I'm suggesting JC deserved to be shot because of her past, Miss Black said, but her past is relevant to her actions that day. I've got a couple but of... The- CCTV footage showed her not moving. Anyway. Well, the apparently, defense apparently, argued yeah. that the footage was too grainy to tell. Right, right, right. I've got a couple of quotes that sort of respond to that idea. Um, one here is from Megan Davis, who is a Cobble Cobble and South Pacific Islander human rights lawyer. She tweeted, They forensically raked over JC's criminal record. It was long, and despite her mental health, the defense lawyer painted her as more of a lethal threat than the constable who took her life. Mm-hmm. The system isn't some abstract thing. And I've got another tweet here from Amy McGuire, who's a Durnbull and South Sea Islander journalist. This is exactly it. JC was on trial and the cop had his identity suppressed. The family and supporters were mm-hmm. fearful of doing media in case the trial was aborted. So, I mean, yeah, it demonstrates the enormous mm-hmm. like power imbalance yeah. You know, that's always going to be present in any kind of case like this. And this was the first time that a cop had been trialed, tried for murder in Western Australia in like a hundred yeah. years. Yeah. So, you know, like they're all, already so protected by the system. But I mean, the most upsetting through line for me of this story is this like determinism in the, in the way that JC is discussed by the defense and also by the media, you know, there's this idea that she was basically destined to be killed, you mm. know, because she was indigenous, because she struggled with her mental health, because she was a drug user, like all of these things that in fact 
made her vulnerable mm. are the things that to the cops to the media uh, to the legal system yeah or, those yeah. are the things that made made her a threat in yeah. their eyes yeah. you know i mean the police were literally called by her family members mm. to help her yeah. they were called out for her welfare yeah and they showed up and fucking killed her yeah her sister jc's sister bernadette clark also noted that the jury was all white mm-hmm. quote from her this was about an Aboriginal woman, and I reckon it should have had a black person on that jury. Yeah. My ancestors will be disgusted. The man jury shot her is. at point blank. It has left my it has left the family broken. How long is this going to go on for? The next twenty years? It'll go on forever. And I have another quote here from uh the ABC article which is uh, uh which quotes Sandy Davies, a family friend. The justice that is served on Aboriginal people and the justice that is served on non-Aboriginal people are two totally different laws. If he can walk away with the evidence that was presented today, then every police officer in this state must Mm. realize that they can do whatever they want to our mob Mm -hmm. and they won't have to answer to anybody. Yep. But yeah, I don't think I could offer any more insight than that. I think that's, you know, that's the ultimate takeaway from this story. Truly, truly tragic. You know, just fucking awful. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, we take a deep breath and move on to our next segment. Mm-hmm. Potluck, where you bring the snacks. So this is a potluck from listener runner who um heard us talking a little while ago about uh the greens mental health care policy that was announced by jordan steel john um when he um got the role as their uh, disability spokesperson um and you know we were pretty positive about that policy um and i think runner um is also somewhat positive about it but wanted to point out some of the issues with it So um, why don't we listen to that now? My name is Rana and I'm recording this on Ghana land. For some brief background, I'm a psychotherapist and recently completed my master's in counselling and psychotherapy from the University of Adelaide. Hearing about difficulties accessing mental health services is familiar to me. I've heard of families calling 12 officers before us, the place that I work, being told about waiting lists of up to nine months. Although I'm always in favour of free support for people in any kind of distress, I have some issues with the Greens' new proposal. proposal. Firstly, even with such limited access to support, people are facing hugely long waiting times. Something to understand is that there are many, many people who have the skill set to help support people in an effective way. However, getting a Medicare provider number is only applicable to OTs, social workers and psychologists. There are many amazing practitioners such as counsellors and psychotherapists who cannot get a Medicare provider number and therefore would not be able to service these people, even with unlimited funding. There is much debate about the scientism of psychology, and this is a contentious issue. I come from a stance that the human experience is is very difficult to quantify empirically, although methods such as CBT make it easier to get empirical results despite that it's definitely not suited to everyone for a variety of reasons. For example, cultural reasons around the etiology of what distress is really about or comes from. Regardless, those getting training from an Australian Counselling Association or Psychotherapy and Counselling Federation of Australia certified program learn these same techniques. The only thing they aren't qualified to do is to make formal diagnoses, a process that itself is contentious within the mental health sphere, especially amongst people with lived experience. 
diagnosis is often needed to access services, and this entire system has been proven again and again to be overall not useful or harmful for First Nations people, as well as many other people in the population. It promotes individualistic notions of distress and as a theory and it's in its particular therapeutic techniques and contributes to the perpetuation of the pathologizing of mental distress. Whereas many contemporary therapies, such as narrative therapy to name one, are much more theoretically inclined to value the notion of collective action, therapy is inherently political and that decolonizing and anti-oppressive methods and therapy are integral. Unsurprisingly, narrative methods have been found to be culturally relevant for First Nations people. I would say that it is rare to find such ideas that I mentioned privilege in what would be classed as conventional psychology practices. This is not to say that dominant methods such as CBT are wholly unuseful, just that they, like anything, are not going to work for everyone, for every issue, at every stage of life. To take this as an example of what I've been speaking about, a psychologist could do an extra training to become a narrative therapist, a separate master's degree, and would be able to use Medicare to claim for their sessions. However, you can also become a narrative therapist without being a psychologist. This is how we end up with many expert practitioners operating either in NGOs with extremely limited funding and employees prone to burnout or operating using the NDIS or privately. Obviously, a substantial proportion of the population would not have problems, quote, severe enough to be able to access either of these uh, pathways. In saying all of this, my intent is to cast light on the fact that increasing uh, unlimited sessions will not address the limited number of people being able to provide these services under Medicare's current requirements to get a provider number. And B, it won't address the systemic problems that exemplify the individualistic nature of prominent psychological therapies that promote the message of a defective brain state, obscuring the systemic and structural violence that perpetuates distress. Work needs to be done funding and promoting genuinely effective therapies that privilege justice-seeking, collective action, and a genuinely self-critical stance when it comes to structural violence. I'm aware, too, of my own personal investment in this discussion, since if I, would be able, uh, if I were able to gain a Medicare number under the Greens policy, I could provide ongoing therapy for people who would not be able to afford it otherwise. At the moment, most therapists use sliding scale options to address this, but it is a constant ethical dilemma we face working within and around the current system. I hope this sheds some light on how unlimited funding won't, quote, fix everyone's mental health, since the, quote, fix it attitude itself is both understandable, but obscures the realistic complexity of systemic injustice that leads to emotional distress. In order to provide genuine quality of care, a range of types of therapies should be funded by various registered, accredited and experienced practitioners. This would address the shortage in providers and offer genuinely culturally relevant and ethically sound services. Thanks, Snapback. Thank you, Rana. And yeah, wow, what a uh, packed potluck. There was a lot in there. It was uh, slightly longer than we usually ask people to make our potlucks, but um, uh, but there was a bunch of good stuff in there. Um, so I, the, I have a, a couple of notes about things that I wanted to touch on there. So one was about the the long waiting list, which um, Rana mentioned right up top. And I think this was in relation to me talking about trying to access uh, mental health services or new ones. Um, and actually a bunch of people uh, contacted me after that episode um, with suggestions of services or just sympathy or, um, yeah, some other thoughts about where to look for help um and i have started very slowly following some of those up so yes thank you all for doing that it's extremely sweet that's really nice um <clears throat> so as to the 
contents there. Yeah, the issues with the Greens plan. Um, I think it's a really interesting point that um, lots of people can't get Medicare provider numbers, so then can't help people even if there's unlimited funding available for mental health care plans or whatever. Makes perfect sense. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, it was an angle that I haven't seen anywhere else. Like, it's not an issue that I've come across right. when people have been discussing, you know, putting mental health care on Medicare, you know, in a general sense. Yep. Um, but it's just really nice to get that, like, super specific information and perspective from somebody mm. embedded in, you know, like, in the area. In the industry, um, yeah. Yeah, which is what the it, potluck section is all about. 100%. And, like, there was something, you know, the, uh, they runner said something about, um, you know, uh, people working for NGOs where they mm. get underpaid and overworked. And, like, mm. I have been to so many counsellors like that that mm. they don't have the degree that means that they can be their own practitioner. So they work fucking, like, minimum wage doing drug and alcohol counselling or whatever. And it's mm. like... I mean, I, I got quite a lot of support there that I found helpful, but, like, it's not necessarily the best... Yeah, and, w- like... ...way to provide people access to those people with skills or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, could potentially this could be very beneficial to the providers as well as the people who need treatment. I think yeah. it's one of the kind of key points the runner's trying to make there, right? Totally. And actually, I think, a, you know, this is sort of like a fucking capitalist point on which to push back on. So I don't, I don't feel it super strongly, but like, I actually think this will incentivize people to join the industry if there's a whole lot more funding uh, available. It's the same as NDIS um, that like, the extra funding now going out is meaning that people are creating disability service provider businesses and getting qualified at higher rates. Mm. Um, and like, obviously like disability care is a really dodgy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's <laughs> lots of issues with it, but yeah. it like, um, you know, uh, yeah, but like, it, ob- I, I, I also think, um, my, my personal belief, which is backed up by like two studies that I read six years ago, um, uh, is that, the That's most predictive guarantee yeah the most effective predictor of outcome of therapy is how the patient feels about their relationship with the therapist and that doesn't have anything to do with what sort of degree that you have or whatever and like obviously there should be some basic level of expertise before you're like allowed to call yourself a psychologist or a therapist or whatever um but yeah no i, I like the idea of expanding it and honestly i don't think the greens plan is in any way against this possibility so like i know mm. we have a couple of green staffers at least who listen to this show so mm. yeah why not mention it to uh to your people to mention it to jordan um yeah you know pop it in there medicare rebates for non-psychology therapists yeah you'll never get power so you might as well have good <laughs> the best policy that you can <laughs> good you just gotta twist the knife a little bit uh, i'm sorry when you're speaking I, to the speaking i wish the i greenies. had faith i wish i had faith <laughs> Um, and just before we move on, I really liked the phrase or the, the the point about we have different cultural ideas of the etiology of distress, which mm. means like the the origin of distress. Mm. And I think that's super true, and is part of the reason that I resent CBT so much. Um, and I've just never heard it phrased that way before, and I really like that. So yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think I say I've said to you a couple times, and probably on the show before as well, that like one of my early sort of light bulb anti capitalist moments mm. was you talking about how at your therapy session, you could basically talk about everything in your life except for capitalism. Mm. And you you basically couldn't like 
really discuss in a practical way, in a helpful right. way to your therapist, like how your material conditions affected your mental health. Because at the end of the day, the therapist is going to be like, well, I can't do anything about the rent being too high. Yeah. And you and have neither can I. Yeah. Like, he can't and I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, which means, yeah, I mean, you do end up talking around the issue a bit. Mm. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think my therapist listens to the show, but if you are, I don't think that's exactly <laughs> how I felt about it. Like, I feel like I can talk about it, but yes, not that it it's necessarily very, um, doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much, Rana, for sending that in. And if you um, would like to submit a little bit of audio of yourself talking about a political issue or a meme or anything Ospol SnackPod friendly, record a clip of yourself talking and send it in to contact at com. We love it if they are only one minute long. Try to keep it to one minute in length. Um, that, you know, we, we'd love it but if we could try to do that. But hey, look. Obviously, we play good shit if it's longer than that. That's so, right. You know, you know. Yeah. So... <laughs> yeah do what you, you I want guess you, you completely ignore us yeah, yeah fine cool all right well now it's time to move on say what you will about pauline Cory Bernardi's right about this you know one. you have to hand it to isis i don't normally agree with channel seven i haven't had that That's, thing for a minute it's the return it's of the broken clock oh shit okay little bit of a wait, look it's a long show we've had some really dark segments we've had some dense segments let's have a bit of a Political power cleanser by sticking the boot into the Victorian Liberal Party, everybody's Perfect. favorite political punching bag, because they just fucking suck so goddamn much, and they're never in the news for doing anything other than massively Being fucking awful. Up. Yeah. So this week, the Victorian Liberals had a terrible, no good, very very bad Zoom meeting, uh, which I we know get that reference, <laughs> uh, which we know about because it was recorded and. I just want to send a special thank you to whichever liberal staffer did that. Thank you very much. So, Good a bit job. of context. That's Victoria, the broken clock, right? Is the person who taped it? Or? Sure, that's one one interpretation of the broken clock. Why not? Okay. So, the context of this story is that Victoria last year banned gay conversion therapy. Therapy in many very commas there. And the Victorian Liberals did vote for the ban on conversion therapy, but there was internal conflict because mm. the party is full of homophobic pieces of shit. Right. And as a kind of uh, sop, I guess, to the right-wing elements of the party and to the various like religious fundamentalist community mm -hmm. groups in which mm -hmm. they uh, get support, they have promised to make amendments to the bill if they get elected next year. So... When Matthew Guy became leader last month, he appointed a new equality spokesman, a guy called James Newbery. Uh -huh. And Newbery gave an interview to nine Fairfax papers last month, giving a quote, ironclad guarantee that the Victorian Liberals wouldn't change the law. And, okay. you know, Great. good on him. Here's a quote. I'm not going to stand for queer people living in fear. There's no question in my mind that we have to be absolutely clear as a community on this stuff. Nice pretty strong he spoke about the experience also, of supporting bold for a conservative to use the word queer as a like neutral to positive term yeah and it came across fine seemingly well at least in you reciting the quote so like i mean it's good yeah good for him not saying like lgb or whatever other fucked way he could have said it no. yeah well we'll get into maybe the logic behind that sure um he also spoke in that interview about the, his personal experience of supporting his best friend who was subjected right. to conversion therapy. 
Got wow. another quote here. He was extremely broken by the process because it called into question the most fundamental premise of this issue. Mm. That is, conversion therapy is based on the premise that you can choose to be gay. It is not a choice. And this is something the rainbow community, that's a little bit more. Yeah, uh, that's, there's a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Are trying to make the broader community understand. Yeah. So but it's still good. It's good. It's good. But, you know, it is the Victorian liberals. They're not doing anything purely out of the fucking goodness of their hearts. Right, right. And essentially, you know, this is, uh, according to Vic Lib insiders, this is part of an attempt by Matthew Guy to kind of pivot away from the racism and corruption guy to being the lockdowns are bad and the government should pay guy. Um, so <laughs> okay. here's a quote from... Uh, an anonymous Victorian liberal MP. In just the some liberal Johnny. In the age. So just some liberal Johnny. Johnny liberal. Johnny liberal told the age, Matthew was spooked by the African gang stuff from last time. And yeah. he's trying to remake himself and make people forget the old agenda. He sent out Newbury to throw out the old decision. So, you know, look, I'm still giving a thumbs up to the decision. I right. think James New Newbury spoke about it well, and I believe that he was genuine. But also, yep. there's it's a political maneuver at the same time. Hey, because of course, it is. like with Geordie's being anti-cop, whatever it takes, Look, as long as you're whatever on board. gets you there. Yeah. Okay. So there's your context, right? But then, as soon as a Victorian liberal did anything halfway decent, of course, mm -hmm. the necessary uh, or the, the the Newtonian reaction is that a bunch of other party members completely lost their shit. Yeah. Supposedly because the party room wasn't consulted on the issue first. Okay. Which, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm sure. It's like you already really fucking passed the bill. Like, come on. <laughs> so this all blows up at their latest party room meeting, which was held over Zoom. And now I'm going to play you uh, one of the first of two clips I have. Exciting. Uh, the ABC published. <laughs> From this very good, no <laughs> right. bad, no bad. Yep. Very bad, not good, terrible Zoom meeting. Thanks, Matthew. My assumption from this conversation is that the shadow cabinet process and the party room process no longer applies to any decisions we make. That if a shadow minister changes, then they can put their own personal views on a policy irrespective of what's been through the processes of our two parties. I think we've totally lost their way. That um, just because James has been appointed the shadow doesn't give him the right to change history and put a very definite view that is counter to what's been agreed by our, our party processes. So from a national's point of view, we will not be supporting James on his position and he can go and get fucked. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, oh, that's sort of really wrapped up there. Yeah, no, I'm concerned about the uh, process of the uh, internal machinations of the party room, and um, uh, you can go get fucked. And also, <laughs> I'm gonna bleed ya. Uh, so that was the Victorian Nationals leader Peter Walsh. Okay. Who, again, you don't need to remember any of these names. I'll tell them to you all again when they fuck up next time. Right. But then. In this meeting, Bernie Finn got involved. Now, this oh, is a name I do know. There, yeah, I was going to say, there might be a Vic Lib name that you do know because he's, he's probably the, the wannabe Christensen, etc. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's like, he's the most conservative, probably the most conservative uh, Victorian liberal MP. I say probably because there's probably a bunch of Someone them that I've never, heard, never about. heard about. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, of the ones that I know of, he's the fucking worst. He's a super conservative Christian. He holds an annual anti-abortion rally called March for Life. Oh, and yeah. he's a, a, he was, very unsurprisingly, a vocal opponent 
of the ban on gay conversion therapy. So, you know, he's a dyed-in-the-wool misogynist and homophobe. Uh, it's very unsurprising. Uh, he gets into it in this Zoom meeting with a couple of people, but most notably Tim Smith. Everybody's... Who? Yes. <laughs> Tim Smith has sort of sliced chicken loaf energy. Um, I used to work in the in the deli at Coles. Yeah. And one of the products that I learned about a number of processed meats <laughs> that you I had previously that I yeah had on your radar. Uh, not encountered. And one of them was the chicken loaf, which comes yeah. in both square and round varieties, depending mm. on whether or not you want it to go all the way to the edge of your sandwich yeah. or if you want to display it nicely on a platter with other processed lunch mm, the, meats. The cheapest charcuterie. Yeah. Plate. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I do want it all the way to the edge, but I don't hate myself enough to buy a square it's... processed chicken loaf. <laughs> I so, mean, the like, oval just, one is no less do, processed. No, just I a know, different you mold. Just do two of them and like tear it a little bit. <laughs> just spread it out. It, it's square one. And the other processed thing about meat products weren't meant to have corners. Well. It's a controversial opinion, Noon, but you're free to stake your flag wherever you like on any side of this debate because I tapped out of it years ago. But when I was working at the Coles Deli, one of the things that you would, you, you know, you, like they come in these big long loaves and then you have to slice them for people using the like deeply dangerous and vicious mm. meat slicer Finger and slicer. you can change the gauge, right? And so people tell you, you know, I want 0.1 millimeters because I love it. I love to have my Just chicken loaf like thin. paper thin. Yeah. I want it to be able to blow away in the breeze. Gonna yeah. read the Bible through it like a phyllo pastry. Yeah, but you'd have some processed meat fans who would come in and be like, "Give me a half inch. I want Whoa. ten slice, ten half inch slices of chicken loaf." Damn. And and so you get this like really really fat slice of like white processed meat, and that's yeah. kind of what. Tim Smith, Tim Smith reminds me of more than anything else. He's yeah, I like, can see that. He's a half-inch slice of chicken loaf. So anyway, here's a clip of uh, the worst, potentially the worst member of the Victorian Liberal Party getting into it with a half-inch slice of chicken loaf over gay conversion therapy, featuring many swear words. Enjoy. What did we say to those communities? We gave ironclad guarantees to Earlier this year, what do we say to them? Who are now looking at us and saying, you people can't be trusted. Well, again, as others have pointed out, the issue was about gay conversion therapy. And that's all. We would have passed the legislation upon the gay conversion therapy. We gave to make out but basically it's Bernie Finn basically being like I promised all my conservative yeah. homophobic constituents that I would do homophobia in government what am I going to tell them now they'll say they can't trust us yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then Tim Smith <laughs> being like read the fucking bill we can't do anything about it you're a fucking idiot and they just both start yelling at each other that the other one is a fucking idiot over the top of each other for a while so yeah Anyway, I don't have much to say about this other than that it's clear that there are some Victorian Liberal MPs who are more passionate about legalizing torture of queer people than they are about literally anything else. Because otherwise we would have heard the fucks, the Zoom fucks, uh, about, <laughs> about a different another issue. issue. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, 
these guys are a bunch of like fucking backwards clowns you know hopefully the this new if potentially slightly cynical you know more progressive direction will stick you know probably will but it's still fun to like laugh at these laugh fucking at clowns yelling at each other yeah yeah anyway that's the end of my chicken loaf segment which cool. featured quite a lot more chicken loaf than i initially intended <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how these bits get away from us they they kind of do once i started i was like um, i was just back at coles i was hearing the <laughs> I was people love it man. the they- fucking el- electric fly killer you know zapping away in the background you know i'm i'm sneaking slices of prosciutto into my mouth on the sly mm-hmm. and serving customers completely silently while i chew you know mm-hmm. cold shit mm. drinking water out of a little you know like uh the tubs that you put the fucking vine leaves in because <laughs> you're not allowed a cup so you have to anyway um Probably these bits get away from us, man. They, yeah. they do, they do. Anyway, if you want a podcast, you gotta do a lot of shit. That's not technically podcasting. You still gotta do that shit. Follow us on social media. That's yeah, Twitter. We're, we're approaching 1K followers, and it's gonna be a really big day for us when that happens. So if you're not following us over there, it's gonna be a big day for me. So. You, Help make that happen for me if you care about me. Go follow us over on Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook. You can, you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, and the other thing that is really cool is if you could leave us a review over on Hell Apple yeah. Podcasts. Uh, and we have, and review us over there. We have actually got a new review this week, do we not, Zach? We do. We do. This one is from... Fuck. I didn't put it in the document, but it's okay. I've got it here. That's here a weird name. This <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past at one of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a review from Bella Susie titled Great Ospol Podcast. Five stars. These guys are great at keeping you up to date with the latest current affairs, but don't take themselves too seriously. It's like listening to your mates discuss politics over a beer. P.S. Thanks for the mental image of our PM being dacked for turning up the climate change conference without a plan. Yeah. Bella Susie, you are welcome. And thank you so much for the review. That's really, really lovely. lovely. It helps First us out a lot. Yeah, it, it tells Apple to like show our podcast to other people and that yeah. kind of thing. So we're still trying to get up past fifty on Spotify. We thought we were shooing, but it, no, not it's yet. P- pure numbers, pure numbers game over on Spotify. There's no review option. Anyway, leave us that review, especially if you can't or don't want to support us financially. But you can do that if you want to and can. <laughs> Over on patreon.com slash Snackpod, As little as $1 a month gets you a monthly bonus episode, plus other cool stuff, including access to our Discord, and more shit at high levels. It's cool. We appreciate it. It helps it us cool. keep the show running. It, it does. helps us pay for the, the transcripts that we post over on our website, usually. And, yeah. you know, the, the subscriptions for the various things. Anyway, you get the picture. We, we donate to some courses sometimes. Yeah, we, we do do that. News, yeah. If we ever shout out a fundraiser on the show... You can be we've fairly certain that we've donated to it, to it as yeah. well. So, so you're yeah. helping us do that. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's good. All right. Is that the end for the end of the Oh, also watch me play games on oh, Twitch, yeah, even course. though now lockdown is over. No one cares about the internet anymore. <laughs> you all have lives. So, yeah. So I logged on on Friday. I was like, man, really quiet. And then I was like, oh, yeah. This is like the uh, epoch-changing day. Uh, oh, well. It's fine. Finish up early then. 
But yeah, <laughs> twitch.tv forward slash games. I might turn up on uh, Cam Wilson's stream this week, but yet to be confirmed. So Oh um, yeah, stay tuned. Maybe there on Tuesday. Exciting um, new potential yeah. developments. That's it. All right. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we got we got a bonus episode coming out later later this week as well. We're gonna be talking about polyamory as per Hell listener yeah. request. So yeah. keep your ears peeled. Uh but in the meantime. Now it's time for a pub game. Yeah. Uh like not a not a huge amount of a pup date. Vegas just been a real good boy recently. Um he's been yeah, pretty chill out on walks, he's been chill with the housemates. Um, that's great it's been a, a real good little little muffin it, no he's much better behaved when news. it's hot he just like he's like okay oh I'm yeah sleep for yeah. hours now that's fine uh i mean dante's um, a completely different dog in the summer yeah because he's black and dense yeah and you know his body just just fucking retains heat and yeah i'll often even like yesterday it was quite warm and just kind of sort of ambiently realize like oh I haven't seen my quite naughty dog for like an hour. I get a better go see what's Check up with that. that. He hasn't done yeah. something. Yeah. And he's just like found some dim corner of the house and is splayed <laughs> out on the floor. Aww. Looks completely dead. He's just like, blah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Under Adorable. the fucking stairs or something. Yeah. Classic. Kitty pie. All right. I reckon it's going to do us. Thank you very Thanks, much everybody. for tuning in. Bumper episode this week. Yeah. Uh, I hope you got something out of it. And, um, you know, reach out. If you want to say hi, you got questions, comments, suggestions. We love it. The DMs are open. Hit us up. Um, we'll catch you next week for more Australian politics and news with sides of crispy memes. And maybe even more anecdotes about chicken loaf. Who can tell? You'll have yes. to tune in to find out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, until then, keep on snacking in the free world. Being happy brings healthy heart and beauty. And chicken loaf. Dot com. <laughs> it's dot com. <laughs>